welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we're walking together in love of the Lord and each other. Amen. Amen. So welcome to this version of the podcast. Version? <laughs> yes. It's a little <laughs> different. Episode. Well, it's a little different because we're doing the book study. We are doing the book so study. It's a little different version. And we're we're well on our way into the into the study here. Yeah, we're on chapter five. Yeah. And uh, we have a great saint oh, for this chapter. Mm-hmm. Saint Ambrose of Milan. It even mm. sounds beautiful, That's doesn't right. it? I want to go to Milan. You've been to Milan? I have not been to Milan. Yeah, like I've to been to somewhere. Italy, but not that far north. Mm. I would love to go. Yeah. But uh Ambrose of Milan, in a way, is almost even more famous for someone he brought into the church yes, which is, I think that's true the the next chapter also yeah. is uh, Saint uh, Augustine. <laughs> Augustine I just had this moment of almost calling him Augustine because of what they call the grass but Saint Augustine mm-hmm. of Hippo right um great beautiful convert who Saint Ambrose had a huge impact on as to bringing um, him into the church but uh, St. Ambrose is our topic of uh, this chapter. And one of the cool things about St. Ambrose is that he was basically made bishop by acclamation of the people. And he wasn't even baptized yet. That's just crazy to me. Yeah. Crazy. So in the span of like days, the guy gets baptized, ordained a priest, and consecrated a bishop like all at once. I can't even imagine how overwhelming that must have been. But to have such a person by acclamation, you know, the people just being like, we need this guy. He must have been so filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And just almost, I imagine him as having been given basically a supernatural gift of knowledge of the faith, mm-hmm. you know, that even though he was just a catechumen, he had like been given this knowledge by the Holy Spirit. And so he functioned out of that. And And one of the things that the Holy Spirit gifted him with was a knowledge and respect of how important friendship is because he really did value it. He, and you know, right at the beginning of the chapter, uh, the author talks about how Ambrose uh, think. Th- this is a quote from the book on page 69. Ambrose thinks friendship is a virtue and one of the most important virtues there are. So friendship as a virtue. Yeah. The wow. virtue of friendship. Mm-hmm. And, and what is a virtue really at its core? A virtue is something that proceeds out of holiness that is ordered towards holiness, ordered towards God, that seeks the good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, and it's something that really can't be lived out without the grace of God. Like you're never going to live in virtue without God's help. We are really not mm-hmm. in and of ourselves just <laughs> capable of virtue. Right. You know, it's, it is a gift from God. But one of the things that in the same quote, he goes on to say is that we can't allow it friendship to lead us away from virtue. So there may come a time where we need to bear witness against a friend. But then he says, but we all must be very, very careful that we've done everything else we can do first. So that means when you see a friend who's going down a path that is not virtuous, it is incumbent upon us to try to do whatever we can to prevent that, which starts 
in a most personal way possible, you know, and, and, and Jesus speaks to this, you know, he's like, when you've got an issue, you go to the person first and you talk about it and then try to resolve it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't resolve it with just that person, you bring one or one or two other people with you. And then you try and try to resolve it. And if it still don't, then you have to bring it to the church and then it becomes public. Right. But you try to keep these things as private as possible because even if a, even if a friend is doing something that's not virtuous, you don't want to expose them right. to scorn or ridicule or and you don't want to detract from exactly. them, right? So you try to protect them as much as possible. But at some point, sometimes for the good of the soul of the person, you need to elevate it to the level where it does become made known, that it's brought to the light of day with the hope of, you know, conversion. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to do that. Um, you know, it, it, when I think of my own real world situations, there's, it comes up from time to time, like someone not living a sacramental life and as a baptized Catholic and, you know, where, where is my responsibility to that person and to their soul to, to, to speak up and, and, tell them of their errors. I mean, I think they're aware of their errors and it depends on my relationship with them, whether it is of the more intimate kind or of a distant kind. It can be be very tricky. It can Mm -hmm. be very difficult waters to navigate. Yeah. I think you make a good point regarding understanding the nature of your relationship and understanding is, is it my responsibility in this situation to be the one who steps in, who kind of leans in to the person if they are kind of going off the rails a bit. And the question also is, you know, anytime we do something, you, you do have to discern, is there good that can come out of this? Like if the person you know can't and won't receive what you're going to tell them and that may actually set things back, then you might not be the person to tell them. You know, sometimes we acknowledge that, you know, somebody, for whatever reason, the the dynamics in your relationship could make it such that someone just can't receive that from you, but they might be able to receive it from somebody else. Oh, that's so true. Right? Oh, yeah. That happens in family dynamics all the time. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking. And so sometimes... We are called to take the step back and to to say, you know, as much as I'd like to step into this and be the person that, you know, tries to bring this to light, if it's really going to be more harm than help, it, the more virtuous thing may be to not be the one who brings it to light or, or addresses it with the person. But But that also means that when we do perceive that we can have, you know, a actual impact that for the good, then we are really bound by friendship to do what we, we should, you know, to step into it and, and say the words that need to be said. He uh, writes um, on page, uh, page is this, I'm not sure what page that is. Uh, I'm not going to give you the page number. Well, I think they're a little different for like text and Kindle. Yeah. But it says, uh, for rebukes are good 
and often better than a silent friendship. That's a good one. Yeah. So good. Rebukes are good. And, and let's look at that in context of our daily lives. And again, we mentioned in the last um, episode that who are you looking in the eyes of every day? Could be just your family, could be coworkers, it could be other friends within the church. And, and those are the people, those are your people that you're called to witness to in this way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, it's interesting, he, they quote in the book, he, Ambrose in his writing is quoting from Proverbs, which has some really good things to say about friendship. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse the kisses of an enemy. Well, break that down a little bit, because I read that too, and I was like, huh? <laughs> I feels like... Uh, I think what he's trying to say here is that... A real friend is going to speak in a way that may injure you, even though because it's a truth that you need to hear. Right, yeah. Where an enemy can just be fake and... Yeah, just... Oh, you're so awesome. Right, da, 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 right, da, da, da. exactly. And this idea that, uh, you know, an enemy will flatter you and flatter you and flatter you as it suits his or her purpose, mm. but will turn on you in a second. But a friend who's willing to say the hard things is so much more valuable. And so when you, when I read the word wounds, I'm thinking not of the wounds that hurt, but the wounds that heal because and you might be like, what are you talking about? Well, it's like this, a surgeon when he's doing surgery will cut you open. He will create a wound in order that you may be healed, right? And so sometimes we say things that may hurt to hear, but if we're saying them with love and true desire for the goodness of the other and to bring them to a greater knowledge of the truth, that is a wound that can heal and not the kind of wound that, that you know, is meant to hurt and mm-hmm. to harm. Mm-hmm. And, but I think when we are going to step into some situation like that, where we're contemplating speaking to a friend, where we're going to say something that we know is going to be hard for them to hear, and we know it might hurt, that we really have done the proper gut check to understand what is my purpose in bringing this to them? Like, am I truly saying this for their good? And not simply because I want to air my own grievance or I want to show how right I am about something or any of those more selfish things that are coming out of our own woundedness Mm -hmm. and not out of our charity. Right, right. And, you know, if we're not sure, then we probably should do a little more discernment before we step into that place. Right? That's exactly right. Which prudence is always, you know, what charioteer of all virtue. Indeed. I love that. Mm -hmm. But prudence is like the least fun, really sounding. Doesn't prudence just sound so (laughs) boring? (laughs) It just sounds boring. Well, yeah, because it's a pause. You know, you have to wait. Mm -hmm. You know, no, but I want to, you know, we're so immediate in our culture now. So prudence is pause. Reflect, pray. Yeah. 
It's interesting uh, as you as you were saying that, like the pause. Uh, I was just my eyes just like happened on a, another quote from Ambrose. It says he was talking about how you know friendship is proven in adversity, like when people are struggling. And he says in adversity too, a friend is proved. For in prosperity, all seem to be friends, but as in adversity, patience and endurance are needed. Mm. So in prosperity, strong influences wanted to check and confute the arrogance of a friend who becomes overbearing. Hmm. Interesting. So you know, I thought you were going a different direction with that. Um, for instance, like when you are in a time of trial, who stays close and who falls away in, in your friendships? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it also means that when we're, we got to be willing to take the pauses and not jump into things, uh, you know, and just kind of endure maybe some discomfort with our friends. Oh, yeah, to for sure. To sort of figure out, you know, what God's calling us to in any given circumstance. Right. I, you know, for me, one of those those moments in time is when a friend suffers a loss of a parent. Uh, they're having to bury a parent and you... You want to to reach out and and be there, but not in a mundane kind of way, but in a mm-hmm. more meaningful way, um, and what to do and how to be supportive. And it can be very awkward because death can make things really like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what she needs. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. How to be there for them as a, as a good, dear friend. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point you make and it can be you know maybe it's death maybe it's like a terrible serious illness or, or divorce, something like that yeah. just like really really difficult adversity that a friend may be going through and sometimes in our fear of doing something wrong in that circumstance like making the wrong step or whatever we just withdraw it's the worst yeah the worst. and yeah. and so i think we get in our heads sometimes too much about wanting it to look exactly perfect and do the perfect right thing. And, you know, but when the reality is just, sometimes it's just a matter of your presence or just acknowledgement that you care. I'm here for you. Yeah. Just to say I'm here for you. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, instead of saying, what can I do for you? Then you're putting a burden on the other person in the time of great like struggle, you know, just say, you know what? I would like to do this for the other person and I'm not going to make an issue out of it. I'm not going to like make a big production about it or whatever, but you might say you felt like they could use, you know, so like a, a nice aromatherapy heating pad or something, (laughs) you know, and then you just go and you get it and you don't ask them if they want it or you don't ask them, you just drop it off. If they're there, great. If they're not there, great. You write a nice little note and just said, I was thinking of you. I thought this might bless you. Mm. Here it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because so often, you know, we aren't bold in our stepping in. We, we're always second guessing. and We want it to look so perfect when the reality is, is that it was the very stepping in that was the perfect thing. Not what you did, but that you desired to do it and you made that known. It's you know? so true. The withdrawing or the that kind of um, the freeze, so to speak, of, of people not knowing what to do and doing nothing um, can be quite injurious, I believe. Mm-hmm. It, it can be. Yeah. yeah, really. And 
It's interesting because as we talk, you know, we started this kind of talking about how Ambrose is defining friendship as a virtue, right? So any true virtue, it's ordered towards God. Yeah. And one of the things that's important to remember is that as we're talking about all of these things as it relates to human relationship, we also, you know, as we talk about at the top of the show, growing in love with the Lord and each other. We also need to look at these things as it relates to friendship with, with God, mm-hmm. right? And how often we can get up in our head, well, you know, it really doesn't count if I don't do this, this, and this in prayer, if I'm not like at the chapel or if I'm not kneeling or if I'm not giving my 100% focus. And so I just won't do it. Because yep. it's not going to look perfect. Rosary. That's a good example. Oh, right. I can't. I don't have time to sit down for 20 minutes to say a rosary. And it would be done sloppy if I do two now, one later, and then right, right. two later on, which is exactly what we'll teach to say, no, get it done. Messy is better than nothing. Right. And I think, you know, so it's the same with God. You know, don't try to think that you can't unless it looks a certain way or it's absolutely perfect or that you know you're you're assured that it's going to have some sort of benefit that's perceivable yeah. you know to to avoid entering in because just like a human friendship the lord he really more than anything just wants us to turn our hearts and minds to him and he wants us to want to be with him mm-hmm. just like a friend you know what kind of friendship is it if you don't actually care if you're ever with them that's not really much of a friendship. That's maybe an acquaintance. You know, like if you're happy to say hello to somebody, but then you have no desire to actually spend any significant time with them, you're not really friends, mm-hmm. are you? No, not really. Right. So with God, it's the same, right? If we're happy to say hi to him when we're at mass, but then we never think about him otherwise, well, we have to really check whether we're in a true relationship with him or not. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, Megan, that people may, like, it's a disconnect. Like, what does it mean to be in relationship with God, with the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And I I think it's it's the way you tether yourself through prayer and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, how close is the next thought of the Lord, the next thought of the Holy Spirit? How often do you call on the Holy Spirit? How often do you praise God for whatever moment you might be going through. I mean, and that all to me is a way to turn our, our hearts and our mind to the, to the Lord, to right. build that friendship. Yeah. And Ambrose, you know, even in the book speaks to it um, on mine, it's page 66, but it might be different in the book. I'm doing the Kindle version. Um, yeah, no, Ambrose doesn't even start till 69. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, then it's totally different. So I'm not, I'm never going to give another page <laughs> reference in this disregard all page references that I have already given and be assured I will not give another. But in the Ambrose chapter, somewhere in your book, he he says, you cannot be a friend to a human being if you have been unfaithful to God. Mm. That is so true. You know, because I think it is the virtue of faithfulness and obedience that must be present uh, with you and the Lord before you can actually emulate it in a friendship. That's really true. I think so. Yeah. And and again, as we were talking about, if if friendship is truly a virtue, then it is itself a gift from God that we cannot live it without it, without him. And if we aren't in right relationship with God, such that we're open to receiving his graces, then we will not have the material we need in order to form friendships that are 
true holy friendships, you know, and, and that, so then the question, you know, based on that quote, what does it mean to be unfaithful to God? Yeah, that's a really good, good question. And, and, you know, here, I'm just going to rattle off some things. You rattle. Come to, I'll rattle it off. Um, to me, unfaithfulness can also mean just even a, a thoughtlessness. Mm-hmm. And not being thoughtful in actions and words, and deeds, um, a thoughtlessness when it comes to loving God. Um, it can be more along the um, morality side where it is a choice to to not be faithful to him, say, not go to mass on a Sunday mm-hmm. when you should. But the spectrum is pretty broad as far as faithfulness goes, right. in my opinion. Yeah, and I th- when you look at what God gives us, I mean, the beautiful thing about God is he's not really trying to, you know, put one over on us. He's trying to make things pretty clear about what he expects and desires from us. So when he right up front in his commandments says, you know, you shall have no gods before me. You shall, you know, keep the Sabbath holy. You shall not take my name in vain. You shall honor your parents. You you know, we did a whole thing on the Ten Commandments, right? right. Well, you're being unfaithful if you're not living out those things or at least striving to, obviously we, we will all fall short. And, and when we do fall short, we come to what reconciliation, we come to the place of admitting our fault and asking for forgiveness. So if we're not doing those things, if we're not striving to live out the commands that he's given us, and when we fall short, seeking to reconcile ourselves, that's in my mind, that's being unfaithful. Mm -hmm. And Jesus himself says, if you love me, you will keep my commands, right? And so if we are regularly find ourselves in a place of being disobedient to the commands of the Lord, then we are in a place of unfaithfulness. So so just to clarify, you are speaking of the Ten Commandments plus the greatest commandment, correct? Yeah, of course. You know, and all of it, it's all wrapped up. You know, Jesus says all of the law and the prophets can be wrapped up in this thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's so hard to do. I mean, here yeah. we can say it. You rattled it off just perfectly, and then yet living it out day to day, especially when people who are less than virtuous, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that need our, our merciful eyes, you know, God's mercy and ours as well. And God's mercy, I think, is important to remember because... Interestingly enough, one of the ways that we can be unfaithful to God is to refuse to accept his mercy. Yes, yes. And to not trust him. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times I do think that trust comes from truly believing his mercy. Right. You know, and this this functions in friendship as well. You know, Mm. we talk some about, you know giving admonishment to a friend when they're in the wrong. But if you're in the place where you've done something wrong, if you can't humble yourself and ask for forgiveness and then accept forgiveness if it's given, you know, some people, like, they get so caught up in feeling bad about something that happened, they won't receive the forgiveness of another. And that'll actually destroy the relationship too. Mm -hmm. You know, unforgiveness of oneself can destroy a relationship just as being unforgiving towards another can. And so, you know, that's a way that we need to function within our relationship with God too, is to really 
trust in his mercy and love and that when we do fall short, he's just waiting to... Right. And I think that's a good point of reflection all the time before you go to reconciliation is to see in what ways um, we'll call it being unfaithful to God, where I've not really forgiven myself or something, when even though you know God has. Um, and sometimes it is a product of our woundedness that keeps coming up and, and causing this error and just asking for God's grace. Yeah. There's in the, in the reading, there's this beautiful um, sort of definition of what a friend looks like. And I mm. think if we read this with a th- thought of not only with other people, but with God, it has like a really beautiful um, just resonance to it. So I'm going to read it. It says, for what is a friend? Nothing but a partner in love to whom you unite and attach your soul and with whom you blend so as to desire to make one from two, to whom you entrust yourself as to a second self, from whom you fear nothing, and from whom you demand nothing dishonorable for the sake of your own advantage. Mm. Poetic, beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And just to think of that, you can only do that with another person in a way that's going to be healthy if you're first doing it with God, you can't attach to another soul in a way that's going to draw you closer to the Lord. If you haven't already attached your soul powerfully, irrevocably, faithfully to God, because if you haven't done that with God and you try to do it with another person, you will have disordered attachment you will have unholy soul ties yes. that are going to take some doing to break. That's right. So, you know, I think that's really an important thing to remind people as we're reading this book and we're lauding the beauty of these deep, intimate friendships and everything. Tread carefully to go into these deep, intimate places of union with another person if you are not in a place of union with God, because it can start out looking beautiful and awesome and feeling really good, but it can go bad real fast. Mm, mm. If you or the other person is not grounded, rooted, and firmly attached to God. And I don't think that's something that maybe we've talked about enough. No, not nearly. Mm -hmm. You know, because Seeking intimate relationship with another person can be a very, very dangerous place if you are not properly disposed when you go in. That is so true. And everything you're saying, you know, I'm pretty heavily involved in marriage prep in the community. And I'm saying, wow, this needs to be part of marriage prep. (laughs) To go into a marriage, you have to be rooted in the friendship of God to be able to go in and have a healthy and fruitful marriage. Yeah, it's interesting because I was... Um, giving spiritual direction to someone recently. And it was one of these deals where it wasn't a person who was regularly in spiritual direction with me, but I was helping out at a retreat. And um, this person told me that they were kind of um, obsessed with the idea of getting a spouse, of, of finding a spouse. But the person had also shared with me a lot of really deeply disordered behaviors and mindsets and things like that. And I basically looked at that person. I said, you are in no position to be a spouse to anyone right Mm. now. I want to 
encourage you as you go forth from this place to completely put that to the side until you have started to work on these things in your life that are deeply disordered and sinful. And if you can't work on those things, you should not be in basically inflicting yourself mm. on another person in an intimate relationship like right. that because it is only going to end up in hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. You know, and that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect, that we have to be, can't have any no, stuff. but striving. Yeah. But, but just, you do like, again, you need to come to a certain level of wholeness that you can hold the grace of the Lord. That's good imagery right there. A certain level of wholeness so that you can be held by. (laughs) So that you can hold what the Lord is wanting to pour Mm -hmm. in you. If you are, if you are just that sieve where it's all going to just flow out, you you know, you got to work on your relationship with the Lord first. Amen. So anything else you want to say about that? Well, you know, I think the only thing to really say is being very thankful to Ambrose for this witness the Lord has allowed him to be. Look, here we are all these centuries later talking about him and his relationship with Augustine. And wow, he's just really up there as far as a a wonderful example of Christian friendship and what it means to be a holy man of God. I'm just thankful for that and getting the opportunity to do this podcast with you, Megan. It's Mm -hmm. been really wonderful today. Well, maybe someday we'll get to go to Milan together and we can go. They, there's actually um, something that they call the Ambrosian Rite. Really? It's a rite within the Catholic Church where they have their own liturgy that's based on the liturgy that St. Ambrose celebrated. Because really? Saint, one of the things we didn't talk about, but St. Ambrose was like a real writer of hymns and things like that. He had a real beautiful, like, exp- you know, creative expression of uh you know, worship of the Lord and everything. So they have this Ambrosian rite that they really only celebrate in Milan, the area of Milan, but it's recognized as a, you know, a proper rite, a, a rite yeah. of the, of the Latin church. And so maybe we'll go someday. Okay. But maybe not because like, <laughs> I haven't done any international travel since COVID happened. Have you? No. Yeah. Still, I've never, still well, not really allowed for I, that. So, well, I, I might be going to Mexico recently soon though yeah. i'm excited about that okay yeah well if you do we'll have to talk about it yeah. on the way back when you all get right. back yeah, yeah all right well that's it then for this chapter and we will continue this journey yeah if you've enjoyed um, this episode of shoulder to shoulder please share it with a friend and um let us know leave us some feedback because we do have an email address don't we it is shoulder to shoulder at gmail gmail or is it red sea radio at dot org no it's gmail it is gmail, gmail. okay yeah, yeah. Shoulder, shoulder, yeah. And then you can always contact Topics. us uh, mm-hmm. via the Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is uh, Shoulder Number Two Shoulder Podcast. So if you search that, and you'll see our little, um, what do you call it, logo? Logo. That's uh, it's black and white, and it has a letter S and a number two and a letter S and. Just kind of like pretty and That's nice. right. And if you have any topics you might like to hear us talk about sometime, a little coffee talk, so to speak, just you know, send us a little note through the, the Facebook page. Sure. Maybe when we're done with the book, we'll have to do like a current events. Oh, for sure. Topics. We yeah. haven't really chewed on current events in a while. Wow. That's one of my favorites. You know that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you'll stay united with us in prayer. And until next time, God bless.